Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday with Pastor Winfred Burns. And tonight we will go right into Acts chapter 27. And let me warn you up front that I might have to borrow a few minutes from you because it's a rather lengthy lesson. Um, I won't prolong the hour. Let's begin with the word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into the lesson. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. God, we bless you and we praise you. We bless you, O God, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We bless you, O God, for the ministry of of my wife and my sisters. We bless you, O God, for the encouragement that we receive from the saints of God. We just thank you and we praise you. Father, how we love you. And tonight we ask that you would come forward and speak to the people, that you would meet them where they are, that you would minister to them through this lesson. Oh, God, how we love you and how we praise you. Now, Father, I step back out of the way that you might have your way with your people tonight. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Tonight I want to do something just slightly different, and I ask that you bear with me. I am going to read Acts chapter 27 in its entirety up front. And the reason why I'm doing this is that this is really a a narrative portion of um, of Acts, and Acts is really a narrative all the way through, but this is really... Um, to, for me to jump in and out like I normally do would be disruptive of the story. And so I don't want to do that. And I want to give it to you in its entirety, and then we're going to, to show you a couple of things in here, okay? So let's just go at it that way. And I want you to remember, picking up from Acts chapter 26, that, that um, Agrippa and Festus, Festus called Agrippa in because he Paul had appealed to go to Rome, and, and Festus was going to send him to Rome, because, and Paul appealed to, to Festus because uh, Festus was about to turn him over to the Jews. And Paul said, you can't hand me over to them. And so uh, Agrippa had come. And Agrippa, being an expert, he was a Jew, and he understood what was going on with the Jews. Festus asked Agrippa to give him a hand because Festus said, if I send him to Rome, I don't even know what to, what to write. I don't know what to charge him with. All I know is he's appealed to Caesar. And so Festus hears, Paul witnesses to Festus, um, or excuse me, Agrippa, and Agrippa says, hey, you know what, evening, uh, and and basically, you know, uh, he says, wait a minute, hold on. Um, he could have been let go. 
he could have been let go if he hadn't appealed to Caesar because there's no charges here. Okay, so now that we've got that and we picked up from where, it, where, where we left off in Acts chapter 26, I want you to just bear with me. Get your Bibles and hope I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So if you're reading King James or you're reading NIV, it'll be a little different, but you'll get the gist of it as you read along. And by the way, get a pencil and a piece of paper because there's going to be a lot of scripture tonight, a lot of scriptures. So I'm at Acts chapter 27, verse 1. Let me just get a little, wet my whistle a little bit. So I can finish this. Acts chapter 27, verse 1. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adramtium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea, along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There, the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. I'm at verse 7 now. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Sinaitis, and as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salome. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lassia. Since much time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. I'm at Acts 27.13 now. Now when the south wind blew gently, Supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind, called the Northeaster, struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught, 
and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Carla, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the citrus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and occur this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the, of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart. So take heart, men. I'm at verse 25. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day. You have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food. It will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God, in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship, and when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, 
They did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting, hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the, ref, the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks, on pieces of the ships. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Now, I want to show you just a few things in this passage. First of all, when they take off for Rome, they are going to sail, they're going to be sailing to the west. They take off from one of the ports and they sail west along the shores of what we know as modern-day Turkey. And when they, when they talk about, um, they, uh, on verse 4, they put out the sea and they sail under the lee of Cyprus. What is happening is that a lee is basically the side of an island that is most protected from, that will protect the boat from the wind. So they're using the island as a shelter from the wind to keep them from being blown in an adverse direction. So you see several times they say, well, we use the island to protect, as a lee, the lee of the island or the side of the island that protects them from the wind. And in this case, uh, as, they're, as they're going around Cyprus, what they do is they sail to the north, the northern side of Cyprus, but then when they get further along, they go to the southern side of the next island to, to protect themselves from an adverse wind. Then as we go further into this, we find out that they're, they're, they're sailing at a bad time. Because the rule of thumb back in the day was that from November through March, you stayed off the sea because the winds were not going in the direction that you wanted them to go. They've got no motors. They have no motors. They are sailing. And in this case, to get to Rome, Rome from, their, from where they are is, um, is going to be northwest. And they're sailing, and, and so what they need is they need a wind that is blowing from the south and from the east. So during this entire time of their journey, they're sailing not with the wind, but against the wind. That's going to that's come in play in a minute now. Finally, um, when they make a decision, they make the decision to try to continue to sail, even during bad times, 
because when they get to a certain point and they get to a harbor that is not hospitable for to them. Now, there's a couple things that, we, that, that might have happened there. First of all, the harbor might not have been able to receive the ship and allow the ship to winter there. Another thing that could have happened is that it's just some place that they didn't want to stay. They would rather get to Crete because the 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 um the harbor at Crete was more suitable for wintering a boat. They say south by southeast. So the wind in, in the position that they were in, the winds could probably blow the ship in and damage the ship. But if they got to the other island, the ship would be protected from those winds and it was a better place to winter in. If you got to stay someplace a long time, you want to be comfortable. And the best way I can describe it is, do you want a long-term stay in a Motel 6 or a Marriott? I prefer the Marriott. Now, finally, because of them making the decision that they made, because they got fooled. They felt that south, a, a nice southerly wind, and they thought we can make it to this to to this next harbor. But when they got out on the sea, those the sea turned against them. They are the wind turned against them. They are trying. To, remember, they are trying to go northwest, and the wind that comes at them violently is a south. Easternly wind, so they're sailing into the wind, and the wind is is giving them fits. You see, so they're trying to proceed, and they can't. And not only can they not proceed, but they have to take the sails down, and the wind takes control of them. I'm gonna show you something in a few minutes, and the wind blows them away from their destination because now this wind is taking them away from Rome and literally driving them down toward the coast of Africa. And if the wind has its way, it's going to take them to a place to, that, will, that will dash them against the rocks and kill them. If the wind, if the wind and the waves don't tear the boat up, the rocks will. You see what you see what they're up against. Now, the other thing about it is this: they don't know where they are. Now, remember, we're back in the first century, and in the first century, they didn't have GPS. They couldn't. They had to navigate by the stars. And during this season, that you had a limited amount of daylight. It was constantly cloudy by day. You couldn't see the stars at night, so they didn't know where they were. All they knew was that they were adrift at sea, being blown by the wind, and in constant darkness. Oh, <laughs> see, somebody see where, we, where we're going with tonight's lesson. This is a terrible situation for them. They have given now... After, after about three, any, uh, most of us have not been on boats where um, in the middle of a storm. Now, I was on a boat once 
uh, and we we sailed through a little bit of storm. It was a big old boat, and we were only on it for that night. And just they said this, the the ship was a little rocky, and and it was. I, I I went downstairs and I went to sleep. I'm just gonna tell the truth. I slept through the whole thing. So I don't know what happened. I know that when I went downstairs, that the boat was really really rocking and rolling a little bit. And I said, okay, guess what? I'm gonna do like Jesus. I'm going to the bottom of the boat, and I'm going to take me a nap. And I slept through the whole thing. But the next day when I got up, it was a whole lot of people that were miserable. They had thrown up and all kind of stuff. And I heard all of these tales. But, you know, God has given me the the ability to say, peace be still. I'll see you all in the morning. God's going to do what he's going to do. They didn't have that. I did. And I I understand it was pretty rough. I, I can't tell you nothing about that. I really can't. All I know is what they told me. But the bottom line was it was not good. It and and that was a big, a much bigger boat than the, the that they're on, that Paul was on. So as you look at this, there are things that are working against Paul. But now before we go any further. I want you to turn back because I'm, I'm, now I'm getting ready to make my case and I'm going to teach the lesson for y'all. Go to um, Acts chapter 23. Go to Acts chapter 23. Go there quick. I want to show you something. Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Verse 11. Acts 23, verse 11. It says, The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Mm -hmm. What does that mean in the context of, of our lesson tonight? What does that mean in the context of our lesson tonight? Let me tell you something. Paul is on a mission from God. Paul has received a word from the Lord concerning his mission back in Acts 23, and he says, you've testified in Jerusalem. Now you're going to Rome. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't see that, do you? I placed a word in you, Paul, and I am sending you with this word to Rome. And look at what happens. Everything is against Paul in to take this word into Rome. Paul has got opposition. And this is something that you've got to understand. When God places a word in you, when God puts you on assignment, when God says that this is your purpose, you can expect opposition. Paul's opposition is religion. Paul's opposition is ruler. Paul's opposition is nature. Paul's opposition is even timing. Everything is against Paul. And the word of the Lord tonight is that there's a lot of stuff that is against you now that God has revealed his purpose for you and placed his word in you. You can expect the devil to oppose you 
and he's going to come at you with everything that he's got because he does not want you to testify. He does not want you to deliver the word. He does not want you to advance the kingdom of God and fulfill his purpose in your life. And just like Paul, all this stuff that you're going through, all of this opposition is designed not to kill you, but to kill the word that is in you and to stop you from completing God's purpose. That's the message for the night. That's the lesson for the night. But, oh, do I have a word for you tonight. Come on, let's go in the book. Let's go in the book. First of all, you, have, like Paul, have been chosen and tasked with a mission from the Lord. You don't believe me? Turn to John 15. Turn to John 15, 16. What does it say? Hmm? What does it say? John chapter 15, verse 16. Now, I'm not going to flip my Bible tonight because I knew I had a lot to give you, so I had to take it, and, 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 and I had to take and print the scripture out so I don't have to flip my Bible too much tonight. John chapter 15, verse 16, it says, look, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. <laughs> you didn't choose me, I chose you. God has chosen you to bring forth his word to the nations. God has chosen you to bring forth his word on your job. God has chosen you to go on mission with him to accomplish his purpose. Jeremiah 1.5. Jeremiah 1.5. Get there quick. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you aside. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. <laughs> yeah, I did this. I did this. I picked you. I chose you. I appointed you. I set you in that place. He put Paul in that boat. He sent Paul on that mission. He now sends you on a mission. He picked you. You on his squad. He's putting you in the game. Oh, God. And what did he put in you? You see, he put something in you. He placed his word in you. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, where it says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. What's that mean? God has placed his word in you. You are the jar of clay, and the treasure that he places in you is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the testimony that Jesus lives, that he died for your sins, and you have been appointed, to, like Paul, to go and give testimony, to go and give witness of what God has done for you. If you go back 
uh, the, to the last several lessons where we spent time talking about how do you do you witness? You tell, just tell what happened to you. Tell of your encounter with God. If you read Acts chapter 26, you see what Paul did. We went over that. You can go to the YouTube channel. You can get it on that. The bottom line is this, that God calls you and has ordained you, and he's placed within you his word. He gave you his treasure. Keep going, boy. Keep going, because you got to go. you got to keep going. You're going to meet opposition. What do we say? Paul was opposed by the religious people. Paul was opposed by rulers. Paul was opposed by nature. Paul was opposed by timing. Some of you think right now that I can't do this no more because I'm too old. I can't do this no more because I'm too young. Or I can't do this no more because the time is bad. And I got kids and I got this job and I got this. No. Some of you are being opposed by people on your job, by, by people within your church that, that say that you, are not, that you don't have the right title, that you don't have this, and that you don't have that. There are people out there there who, who, who Satan is using to oppose you. But God says something. God says, hey, Brianna, God says something to you tonight. He says this. Turn over to Isaiah 24, or Isaiah 14. Turn to Isaiah 14. Look at that 24th verse. You see, this is the confidence. This is the confidence that we can have in God when we are on a mission from the Lord. He says, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God's plan, God's purpose is firm. And he says, amen. He says, what I told you to do, what I have purpose for you shall come to pass. Look at, look at Isaiah, stay in Isaiah 14, verse 27. Look at verse 27. It says, for the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? What does it annul mean? Who will call it void? Who's going to stop the word of the Lord that is within you? Who can go back and say, I rescind this word that God has placed in you. I annul this word, that, that, that this, this, this command that God has given you. Who's going to overrule God's word in your life? Mm, mm, mm. His hand is stretched out. I'm still at 27. And who will turn it back? God's hand is upon you even with his word in you, and he is moving you toward your purpose. God's hand is upon Paul, and in spite of the wind that is blowing against him, in spite of all the machinations of the devil, despite everything that they've thrown at him, Paul continues in his journey to accomplish the will of God that God purposed for him. 
Look at look 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 look. Look, this is a, this is a popular passage. I'm gonna stay in Isaiah for a minute. Turn to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse 10. That's where I'm gonna start at. Because this is what this is what we knew about the Lord. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. Hmm. That's the word of the Lord right there. God's word will not return to him void. God's purpose will not be thwarted. The thing that God has called you to, the thing that God has empowered you to do, no matter who is against you, no matter what is against you, no matter what the environment looks like, no matter what people say, no matter what is going on, no matter the storm that you find yourself in, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. God is going to accomplish his purpose in your life. God's going to get the glory. Oh, God's going to get the glory. What does it say? Look, it says, but it, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Paul is sent with the word to Rome. You have been sent with the word somewhere. You have been sent with the word to someone. And standing in your way is an obstacle. Standing in your way is the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This was not a flesh and blood battle. This was the enemy conspiring to make sure that the word was cut off. If you go back and review everything that Paul has gone through on each missionary journey, as the as he proceeded to take the word, the, there was an obstacle in front of him. And the bigger the opportunity, the bigger the obstacle. You are going through something right now that is trying to blow you back. You are in the middle of a storm right now that is trying to discourage you, that's trying to make you give up hope, that's trying to make you just quit, that's trying to stop you from not hanging, just hanging your head, but hanging yourself. You want to just quit, you want to just stop, you want to just say, oh, forget it. But the word of the Lord is inside of you. And let me tell you what, what Jeremiah says. It says, I will not make mention of him. Jeremiah got so depressed about the whole thing. He said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak in his name. 
but it was like fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing. What Jeremiah experienced when he tried to quit because everything was against him, everybody was against him. They had thrown him down into jail, into a cistern, and they said, we're going to kill you, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said, well, I'm just going to quit. But the, when the word is in you, it is like fire shut up in your bones when you are tasked with, a, with something from God, and you just can't quit. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You can't quit. Now, no, no, no. Let me, let, me, let me say this to you. Your purpose will be fulfilled. Your purpose will be fulfilled, but you got to stay in the boat. You can't give up. Paul, one of the things that we miss is that Paul was not by himself. Mm-mm. He wasn't by himself. Go back and look. If you notice, you keep seeing the writer keeps saying, we, we, we. Luke is with him. Not only is Luke with him, but there's another guy with him too. It was, let me, I'm looking for his name real quick so I can say it right. Aristatius was with him too. You see, saints of God, it pays, it pays it, to have somebody, have a friend, have a prayer partner, have somebody. God never sends us alone on a journey, but He's always got someone there with you. Not only is somebody there with you, but He's there. Because he says, lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the world. He says, when you go through fire, I'm there. When you go through the floods, I'm there. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in the fire, they looked up in the fort. They, they, he, the king looked in, he thought he see three, and he said, but oh, I threw in three, but now I see four. When Daniel's in the lion's den, Daniel's not down there by himself. An angel of the Lord comes and shuts the mouth of a lion. And here, in not only does Paul have companions, but an angel of the Lord comes and encourages them and says, mm, you're going to Rome, brother. He says, you're going to lose this ship. But because of your prayers and because of your purpose, y'all going to make it. And God's going to bless and make sure that everybody that's on this ship makes it too. That's another point right there. You, your ability to be faithful to the purpose that God has sent you on will impact those around you. See, it's not just you now. It's those around you. Now, so, so the story. Go back to the story a little bit. You, you got this word now. You got this word. So what do they have to do? Look at how the efforts of man to bring that ship under control. You will see where they threw the tackle under. They, they undergirded the ship. 
Why did they do that? They did that to keep the ship from breaking apart. The waves were hitting it so violently that it could tear the ship. So they took and they wrapped ropes around the ship to bind the ship together. They said they threw the tackle overboard. The tackle are the ropes and the, and so the sails and stuff that they used to maneuver the ship. Because this is a boxy kind of ship. This is not one of these sleek vessels that we have now. And so man is making every effort to save himself. And in making all those efforts, they could not save Man couldn't save himself. God had to intervene. You are in an environment, in a storm, and folk around you are being impacted. They are doing everything that they can think of to save themselves, but there is no salvation in anything other than the thing that is within you, that treasure that is in that earthen vessel. There is salvation in none other but the name of Jesus. And if you want those folk around you to be saved, you must release the word. Well, so what did we learn tonight? Number one, we learned that to remain faithful and to remain hopeful because we know that when God has spoken a word over our life, that it will not return to him void. We know that we've been chosen by God. We know that we've been ordained by God to bring forth the word. We know that. We know that. So we have purpose. We have God's plan. And we have God's promise. We also have his presence. So what we can do, what can we do? We can rest in him. Look, let me read these last passages, and then I'll leave you alone. The things that have happened in your life, the things that, that, that storm that you are in right now, God has ordained that storm. He's allowed that storm to come. But it will not destroy you. It will not, it might delay it, but it will not deter you from your destination. Look at Romans chapter 8, and, and, and then I'll, I'm, I'm done. Romans chapter 8, turn over there real quick. Told you I, I got mine printed out tonight so I don't have to flip. It says this, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. Do you love God? You know that you've been called according to his purpose. So this thing that you are going through right now is for your good. It's for good. It's for good. Secondly, for whom, he, verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Him that he foreknow. You see, he knew you 
We went over that. He knew you before you were formed in the womb, and he predestined this in your life to conform you to the image of his son. See, this thing that you're going through right now, he is just making you and stripping off from you all those things that don't look like Jesus. You are going through the transformation process. You are being sanctified and made holy. You are in a work in progress even in the midst of your storm. Verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. Whom he made right, put in right standing with God, he also will glorify. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> Ooh, that's shouting music right there. If God be for you, can the wind stop you? If God be for you, can religion stop you? If God be for you, can rulers stop you? If God be for you, God, who stands above time, can time stop you? Oh, no. Mm -mm. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also Freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Oh, God, see, see, oh, God, <laughs> see, even as you're going through, Jesus is standing there praying for you, that you make it through. Even as you go through, even as the storm has descended upon you, even as, as the boat of your life is rocking and reeling like a drunken man, Jesus is saying, Father, your child has a need. Your child is going through. <laughs> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Principalities can't do it. Angels can't do it. God has said that not only do we make it through this storm, not only do we make it to our destination, not only do we complete our purpose, but that we win. But that we win. So as I end tonight, as I end tonight, I just want to say one thing. I want to end on 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, 
and make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. We will deliver the word that God has placed in us. We will overcome everything and every obstacle and every demonic scheme and everything that Satan throws at us. Now thanks be unto God who always gets us the victory in Jesus Christ. I pray that you've been encouraged tonight by this word. Paul is in a storm. But he receives a word from God. The angel comes to him and says, you're going to make it. Not only you, but everybody around you. Tonight I come to you to say, you're going to make it. You will be victorious. You are going to bring salvation to all those around you. Because that's God's plan and his purpose for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Come on, lift up your hands wherever you are right now. Lift them up, just lift them up. Lift them up surrendering to the will of God and the way of God and the word of God. I know you're in, in a storm somewhere. I know that that when you that 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 some of you sometimes feel like throwing up your hands and giving up, and tonight is a night where you could throw up your hands to the Lord and say, "Lord, I surrender myself to you. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender it to you, God. I surrender to your will. I surrender to your way. I surrender to your word. I surrender to your purpose. Do the." thing in me that you have purposed. I am in absolute agreement with you. I see what stands in front of me. I, I, I see this darkness. I feel the boat of my life rocking and reeling. But God, you said that I was going to triumph, that I was more than a conqueror, and I believe you, oh God. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we lift up our hands to you in worship. We lift up our hands to you in praise tonight. We lift up our hands because we know your spirit has spoken and there is now hope in the lives of the individuals that have been in this Bible study tonight and who will see this, this broadcast later. Oh God, thank you for showing us how to ride out the storm. Thank you, oh God, that we are not hopeless. Thank you, O oh God, that you have sent us this way, and that you will accomplish your purpose in our lives. God, how we bless you, that even though the score don't look good right now, that in the end we win, and that we bring you glory, and that we bring you honor, that we bring you praise, and that we, God, by allowing you to abide in us, Get victory and advance the kingdom of God. God, how we thank you and praise you that you don't give up even when we want to give up. God, we lift up our hands in praise to you, O oh God. Keep encouraging us. 
Keep perfecting us. Keep causing us to do your will. Because it's not us, but it's you. And we give you the glory, and we give you the praise, and we give you the honor. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, God. Well, I pray that you have been blessed tonight. Ooh-wee. I went way over. I'm sorry. I thought I'd just be a couple of minutes over. Um, because we normally just go 30 minutes, and we're at the 52-minute mark. And I did not mean to go this long, but the, this word needed to be taught and preached a little bit. And so I praise God for you tonight. I pray that you have been blessed of God. I pray that that you can run on, that you can continue on. I pray that you would read this chapter again and that you would meditate over it and that in meditating over it that the Holy Spirit would speak to you individually and strengthen you in your journey. How I bless and praise God for each and every one of you. And I would pray that you would um, share this message with others that if they, you know, don't have the capacity, you know, because sometimes people don't like to sit that long to to uh, um, sit here and watch the teaching, that you would at least encourage them to read that chapter and just share with them what you got out of it and push them down the road because many of the saints of God are fainting. They're fainting and they're they're quitting and and I'm praying for everybody right now as people have prayed for me. And I'm asking you to continue to pray for me and my wife in this ministry that God will continue to use us, but more than that, that God will give us the strength to continue and endure and endure hardship like good soldiers. Pray for us. Um, if there's any questions, you can ask them right now. Uh, on Global Drive, the number, the calling number is 929-477-2304. And for those of you who are um, out on Facebook Live, you can type uh, a question, or if, they, if you've got any questions about Acts 27, Acts chapter 27, uh, let me know. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna linger long because I'm way over again. And I just I don't I said I was gonna be about 35 minutes, and here I am leaning toward it now. Ooh, I got greedy with time tonight. No questions. Well, bless the Lord. I, I pray that you receive tonight. And next week we'll we'll go through the final chapter of Act. Uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 28. And hopefully I can finish it. If not, then we'll have to go another week. But I'm praying not because we will be in Galatians as of August the 1st talking about the emancipation. So if there's nothing further, God bless you, God keep you, and may his face continue to shine upon you. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns with The Word on Wednesday. Be blessed and have a wonderful evening.